So what if we made this practice our own spiritual practice? That when a brother or sister offends us or hurts us, we go to that person. We work it out. And if we can't work it out, then we bring someone else to help. And if they can't work it out with you, then it comes before the whole church. We hear this and we think, um, no thank you, pass on that. But as a person who has tried other ways of living, I'll suggest this practice. For many years, it was my practice to say, oh, it wasn't that big a deal, I'll let it go. Oh, they didn't mean to do that, I can't deal with that. Or, that's too scary to encounter that person. So I stay away, and what's happened with that particular Brad practice is that my friendships in those places have become shallower or non-existent. I have lost relationships because of my inability to tell the truth about what was happening between us. To take the risk of speaking to what I felt I was important and what I felt I needed or we needed. For that, in one sense, is really where Jesus is going with all this. While it's important to him that you and I have our relationships worked out, it's far more important that we as the body of Christ are healthy and strong. Now, other people try a different method. Their practice is to um, write on social media that I have been offended by XYZ, and um, they are really a pain, so don't, don't talk to me about them. Or to say to a third person, oh, you know, she didn't treat me right. I didn't like what she said there. I'm done. Either way, the body is broken. The cancer that is in this body is slowly disintegrating the relationships that bind it together. Either the say nothing or the call out variety, both have their limits and their sinfulness. An artist named Joe Davis says that what this gospel is inviting us into is a call in practice. Call the other into relationship, call them back into the church. Call them together to be Christ's body. To speak to the hurt or to speak to the one you have hurt is a healing practice. A practice that brings hope and depth of relationship 
and a sense of being one and in united in our God's will together. I'm thinking too of this time in our culture where it's possible that things are actually changing. That the world, as the hymn says, is about to turn. As the world has begun to listen to the Me Too movement. As the world has begun to listen to people who say our lives, our black lives matter. As the world has begun to listen to LBGTQ people to say, are we gone? Are, to say, listen to us, know our experience, see how what you're doing hurts us. That we are on the other end of that spectrum. We are the people who have to listen and to be transformed. And in one sense, the history is that we haven't heard before. And they've brought two or three, and we still haven't heard. And now the church is saying, listen. Listen to what we have experienced. Listen to what is happening to us. Listen to the hurt your practices are causing. This gospel is opening up for us a new way of being together. I can remember when I was much younger, when somebody once said to me, oh, you're so defensive. And I said, I am not. I'm not defensive. I'm just. It became my practice at that point to learn to listen without being defensive. I don't do it all the time, but I'm working at it. To be able to hear what somebody is telling me about the pain I cause. This is gospel, this central gospel, central in Matthew's gospel, this math chapter 18. It comes with this, this gospel we hear today and next week even more about forgiveness. But it's preceded by Jesus telling the story of the lost sheep, of going to find the hundredth sheep. And isn't that what we're called to? To reach out to the one who is lost, or the one who seems that they have lost us. In 2006, a gunman went into the West Nickel Mine School, took hostage a bunch of 10 girls, and killed five of them. It was devastating. The town, this whole community of Amish people were mourning and in grief and in sorrow. And in their grief and in their sorrow, they took meals to the widow of the gunman who had taken his own life after he shot these young girls. They took meals for that wife, for that widow, and for her children. And they practiced 
forgiveness. And they practiced reaching out to her so that she could be called in to community and not be alone. The book Amish Grace examined this whole phenomenon in the way that the world said that's wrong. Those people shouldn't do that. They are forgiving too quickly and too easily. But what they learned is that the practice in the Amish community is a practice of reconciliation. They only have communion two or three times a year. And when it is time to start thinking about having communion, the pastor, the person in charge, says, we're going to have communion in six weeks. Get your life together. Go out and make reconciliation with those who have hurt you. Go out and ask for forgiveness of those you have hurt. You have six weeks. And then, the week before, they ask, is everyone reconciled one to another so that we can do this next week? And if they're not, they postpone the Eucharist. It's a, this, because they have done this their whole lives, because they have practiced reconciliation, that when the tough times come, they know how to do it. They know how to humble themselves and speak to those who have hurt them. And they know how to humble themselves even more to speak with those whom they have hurt. What would this world be like if we were a people of forgiveness and reconciliation? How would the church be transformative in our communities if we were places of reconciliation? If we are people of reconciliation? Owe to no one nothing but love. And love invites us and tells us to call one another into relationship, into hope, and into forgiveness. Let it be so.